episode 312, The Rant, Jim Fox, talking about the lifeblood of Long Island basketball, Lightning and the Island Garden. The pandemic has brought New York basketball at a standstill. Island Garden has been no different, but as things are opening up, they are making it work. In this pod, Jim discusses his former life as an official, opening up about how Island Garden developed over time, what the pandemic has taught him, and what the future holds for the Lightning brand with the New York Madness Tournament and beyond. All that and more, my conversation with Jim, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for the Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest. I'm honored to be in the presence of the man that runs Island Garden, something that has nurtured me in my officiating career, something that's really near and dear to my heart. I wish they had this when I was in high school. In fact, they did have it when I was in high school, but I was already a senior, so I didn't even get a chance to play AAU. But... Um, owner and operator of Island Garden, CEO of the uh, Super League that's run in Island Garden, um, also uh, part of the, the, the largest AAU conglomerate that is Lightning, um, something that I, I really share the same core values as you and, and something that has helped me get to where I am as, as far as an official, uh, Mr. Jim Fox. How are you, my friend? Good, Ralph. Good. Glad to be here. I'm so excited to have you because, honestly, I think you are like one of the first people that I told, and I remember how... Um, how nervous I was to tell you because honestly, when I made referee ramp, I really didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know it was going to get this far. Do you remember that conversation when I talked to you about it? Somewhat, yeah. <laughs> Are you surprised that it got this far? Not at all. Not no. at all. I'm just not big on talking about things like this. Yeah. I probably told you that day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. But I also remember that, you know, I have competitive spirits. So when Jesse Winter got you on the Level Up podcast, I'm like, man, I asked this man two, two, three years ago. And, you know, I'm just happy that and thankful that we got close and we now have a strong bond and we're trying to fortify this lightning brand that is. Um, you know, first I wanted to ask you about, you know, Tom Konchowski. I know that's somebody that um, is always a staple around Championship Monday. He's always here looking at talent. Um, just what was your relationship with him and just your thoughts. I, I know I want to give you the opportunity to just at least honor him. Absolutely. And I appreciate that. My, my experience with Tom goes back a long time when I was a referee in a Brooklyn Queens Catholic league. I remember Tom being at virtually every Malloy game. And at that time, 
Uh, I used to go to Malloy a lot. I think I was on Jack Curran's preferred list, mm. which uh, which is always an interesting experience. Not an easy experience, but I remember Tom there, and Tom always exchanged a pleasantry. I love Tom. I went back. It was the CYO days when he was at Ascension. I was at St. Thomas Apostle. So I go way back with Tom, uh, and it go right went right up to about a week before his death when I spoke to him on the phone. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he used to come here every year on Championship Monday, which is the best day of the year here. Uh, it's when all the, the terrific young players come together. And Tom would be here, walk in himself, insist on paying. I would, I would try not catch him, not let him pay. And then he'd always buy his hot dog or two. Uh, and uh, I'd try to cut that off too. He was just such a total gentleman. And it was always my, my honor to drive him to the Hempstead train station at the end of the day. And I look forward to that every year. Uh, Tom, as everything's been written about him, he would know everything about you. He would ask about my son, Jim, my son, Jeff. He'd ask about my daughter, who was a basketball player a little bit in high school, but not, not. he just know, he would know my wife's name. How is everybody? And uh, he, would, he would do a lot. And uh, I know, uh, personally, he meant a great deal to me. Professionally, I know to my son, Jim, when he was at Davidson, uh, one call from Tom Kinchowski meant, you know, you you follow up, and they they actually did get a a, a player uh, by the name of Rossiter out of Staten Island, and Tom just called. He was way under the radar, and he says, "Let's get this kid to Davidson," and it worked. And I actually, Rossiter played on their Elite Eight team, and it was just one word from Tom Kinchowski, and they came running down, saw him, and signed him. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I have a very similar situation with uh, Tom. He saw me as a referee, and then I asked him on the podcast, and I just was so confused because he still was devoid of a, uh, a cell phone at the time. And I remember I, I had to meet him at the corner, and he told me that if I don't meet him between 10 and 10.08, 10 he's just going to keep going about his day. And I just I found so fascinating the, the simplicity, yet the complexity in which the things that he was doing, because all of his information was encyclopedic. I mean, if I asked about you, he probably would have told me that you were a referee back in the day doing all this. And, and he would remember, Ralph, oh, I remember the game Jim did between Holy Cross and Malloy, and it was a concert, there was a call, and Jim was right on it. You know, he would never say anything bad about it, mm-hmm. even if I was wrong on right. the call. He was just such a total gentleman. As I said in a little thing I put on our website, he was really a saint on earth, and I don't take that lightly. He, one thing I do want to talk about, Tom, before we go on to the next thing, he, w- he would come in on Championship Monday, and he said, I love this place. He, I love this place. And he says, uh, uh, he says, because everybody's treated equally. And that meant a great deal to me because that's one of my values. You know, I don't care what you look like, how much money you have, how much money you don't have. The game of basketball is the great equalizer. And Tom said, what's great about this place is ball for all. And I put that, I made that a sign if you, over our front door as you walk in, and that's in, Tom would never let me put his name to it. He's a very modest man, but uh, but that's our way of uh, of honoring his memory, whether even before his passing. Uh, all for all, and I, I live by that value every day. Yeah, and and I'll and I'll just say that it doesn't matter all of the accolades that he didn't want to be bestowed on him. I think his imprint is so strong in the community. That everyone knows, like Magic Johnson doesn't have to wear championship rings to know that he's a champion, right? right? But going back to that, I think about Championship Monday, and honestly, Jim, 
the first time that I realized that I was a good referee was when I got a phone call from you at 2.13 p.m. And it was a Memorial Day about five years ago. And I remember you were screaming at the top of your lungs. And my heart was racing because, you know, I did something completely innocent from my vantage point. I wanted to go to the beach with my wife. And I'm thinking, like, at that point, I was really cutting my teeth here. And in the beginning, as a referee, you know, you'll get one assignment here. Then you'll get maybe one next in three weeks. And then as you get better, you may get two dates. Then next thing you know, you're here for four days. And I remember in the beginning, you thought that this was such a magical place because there was great competition. There was great camaraderie amongst the referees. And you never know, because no one ever gave me the talk of Championship Mondays, the end-all, be-all. That's when you know it's an honor and a privilege. I found that out unbeknownst when you gave me that phone call and said, it was an honor and privilege to do this game. And I'm leaving out some expletives. But you Which told me- known to do, yeah. You told me in not so many words that it was an honor and privilege to do this game. And the official that I ended up switching with, unbeknownst to you, that had no business doing that game. That's when I realized that I was good. I never knew, I never thought of it as like, oh, I, I got good at this because I just was working and working and working. I wasn't thinking of it. Do you remember that? Unfortunately for you, no, I didn't remember that until just now. <laughs> if that was the story, I'll never forget. It, it probably wasn't you. It was probably somebody else. But um, I'm talking to somebody and I watched, I'm, I'm at the front counter and I see this referee that walks in. I go, oh my God, he's dressed. I said, oh no, no. And I watch him go out to court one, and he's one of my favorite human beings. He's also one of the most volatile coaches ever is Tommy Swinton of the Gauchos. And he walks out, and he's on Tommy Swinton's court. And I go, and I don't, I'm not saying this was your situation, Ralph, but I go. It sounds like mine, though. <laughs> but I said, oh, my God. Oh, my. This was, this was a major explosion. So I went running over to my longtime close friend, uh, Dwayne Mitchell, who runs the Gauchos, I said, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Look at this. Look at this. He goes, all right, first of all, calm down. I said, he says, I got this. So he goes, leave, leave him right where he is because Tommy's going to win by 40. And if you move his court, he's going to screw up a lot of things. I said, and I, and I always thank Dwayne for that comment. But, you know, I take, I don't remember that being you, but uh, I take great pride in the referees are really so important to me. Uh, it, it, it's the chef that makes the steak. I could buy nice steak if I ran, if I run Brian Cooper, but I have to have a top-notch chef. And I tell you, I, that's why people yell at me as a manager. They say, you're foolish. I mean, we're doing all kinds of projects now, but I'm, go I'm going to assign, you know, the refs to this big tournament myself. I'm going to lean on people like you and my son Jeff to help me, you know, top-of-the-level referees with assigning. But I think that the... The referees are the, are the chef of a restaurant. They, they, you can't, because I know from the negative end, I know that if I get a bad referee and uh, it, it always comes to fruition that I got a problem. Yeah. And it's, uh, so referees are extremely important to me and, and especially on Championship Monday, but I don't remember if that was you. And, you know, we watch, I, I've been known to, I've been known. I remember one time we got our cameras on the court, and I was out to dinner with my wife, and uh, you know, a local Italian restaurant. I said, "Oh, look at these cameras! Look at this!" She's looking. All of a sudden, I see a ref. Not you, Ralph. None of my favorite refs. Not moving. And I'm watching. I'm getting more furious. He's like moving his head. That's the only part of his body he was moving. And she goes, "Can you put the phone down?" <laughs> and I said, "Uh, no." So I went and I took care of that situation 
uh, the very next morning because I can't have that. This is, this is too important. We are growing like crazy, even being out of business for the better part of a year. We're growing, you know, and we're making major announcements coming up. And, you know, so we're going to be bigger than ever. Yep, and I'm really excited to be united in this New York Madness tournament right. that you and Coach Sakitas from Portland School is going to be, you know, uh, doing it for the honor of the people that we've lost and just do something for the kids. And I think we're all united in in doing that, doing something for the kids. But, you know, I want to go back to when we first started really connecting last October. We had a conversation and everything was in limbo. I mean, we didn't know what was happening. The whole summer passed. It came and went. You know, I want to go back to those, you know, dark moments before we even had that conversation, going back to a year's time say around this time, when we're taping this on March 9th, um, we didn't know what the coronavirus was. And I was deeply ensconced in my playoff assignments for, for school ball, college ball. And then all of a sudden, this coronavirus thing happened over here. And I remember I was talking to James Washington about that because I think he was there the last day when everything closed up. And he had hand sanitizers, which seems like the norm now, but would seem so taboo at the time. And you know, James, he has his own histrionics where people think he's something's off with him, but he's oftentimes no, knows he, he knows better than, than most. But, you know, going back to that time, I, I did want to ask you, how are you holding up during the pandemic? How's your family holding up? And, you know, going back to those moments, when was the moment that you took all of this stuff, the shutdown, coronavirus, and the, the repercussions that would happen with the Island Garden brand? When was the moment that you took all this really serious? Actually, on that, it was a day, it was a day, I, I don't remember the exact date, we're at this very table where we're conducting this podcast, I had a staff meeting and I was like, I'm like a kind of my background in law enforcement. I'm not, you know, let's stand up to this thing. You know, let's, let's go. And then we went in and all of a sudden we're starting to get reports that the biggies didn't come out in the second half. St. John's didn't come out. The NBA didn't come out. All of a sudden we looked at each other and we said, Oh my God. And we shut everything down right there. And I did take it very serious then. Of course I didn't believe it would take as long as it did. I thought we'd be closed a week or so. And I remember one of my coaches, who I often disagree with, and he's probably going to be listening to his podcast, and he'll, I'm not going to mention who it is, but I do certainly respect his opinion. And he told me, Jim, this is, we're not going to be back for a very long time. I said, no, you're such a negative. You're a pessimist. You know, no, that's not the way we lead, and we lead with confidence. Well, quite frankly, he was right. Uh, and I, I still debate him or disagree with him a lot, but uh, he's certainly a very bright person who cares and uh, I, I guess we, we just uh, took on this, this, terrible, this terrible thing. But, you know, playing basketball is one thing, but, you know, I, I have to stop and say um, so, many, so many people have lost loved ones. That's more important than any of this. I mean, you know, and, and people are still getting sick. I talked to a coach this afternoon that, that lost a very close friend yesterday. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's better, but it, we still, it's still terrible. And we, everybody we know has lost somebody, and, I, and my prayers are to those people. And uh, and we just hope that we, we, we we're able to get through this. Yeah, It's made us stronger. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say that, you know, just going from March to April, which it was completely dark, and then you go to May and June, now we're kind of like we're itching to go, and we're trying to figure out a way. And also I think at that moment in time, I did have a conversation with Nick, and I remember he was saying, I'm going to fly out to Indianapolis, and I could just think about the inequality the disparity between different states, how everything was piecemeal, that this state can do this and we can't do this. And, you know, at, at for me, just like that coach said earlier, um, I never thought of a discernible path of when we're going to go because 
we just got hit so hard in the beginning that it seemed as though it, it really needed to be like serious methodical steps in order for we to go. Now going to the summer, what was, what was your level of frustration? Like, what were you feeling like when you heard that spooky nook was going and then there was tournaments going in Florida and we just were at a standstill. We were at a standby. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, we were at a standstill. I didn't know, quite frankly, didn't know what to do. Uh, so I, I really set my priorities. I said, the first thing we're going to do is, is protect people. And, and, and equally, like 1A is we're going to go by the law. Even if I disagree with the law, my political stand on what happened is irrelevant. It's, you know, I'm a, I'm a leader. You know, so I had to do what was lawful, and I had to do what was the safest. And whether I disagreed with the same the pattern, it didn't matter. And I, I'm so, and I say this many times when I write on our website or in social media, uh, I'm, I'm so blessed to have people around me that you know, are, 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 are so bright and so dedicated. And, you know, one in particular, Karen Kammer, who's my administrator, she's like, she's, she's the compliance officer. And I would disagree with her. And at times I, I got tempted. You know, I watched competitors. I watched a competitor not far from here, probably multiple ones, holding day-long events. And I'm going, what the hell? And then she said, well, it's illegal. I said, I know, but he's getting away with it. Am I going to play Mr. Goody Two-Shoes and go out of business? So I was worried about that. But... I thank God and I thank her and I thank my other my other people around me. Say, Jim, calm down because I'm not above being tempted. Uh, so we we did that. We stood we stood our ground, and now we're, we're coming back. Yeah, and I'm happy that you did. And I, I often find that Island Garden. Ever since that, I've been coming around and doing a lot of filming. I find it often a beacon of light because I think you guys are doing the correct protocols and you haven't gone full force. Because you know I, I think from the ground up. You know, if Jim Fox moves, everyone's going to move. Every, the floodgates are going to yeah. open. So I think you as a leader, I don't think people understand you're in a precarious position that you know that if you go, everyone's going to go. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I think most importantly, I've always tried to live by and, and I'm far from, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I, I make mistakes every day. I uh, ask the people closest to me. But I think that you do the right thing when no one's looking. And, that, and that's, that's, that's important to me. And... Um, and I've always tried to live by that, not without failure. But uh, and I want to see good, better, goody two shoes or anything like that. But we tried to stick to it, and now we're coming out. That's why this this event with Nick is just it's so important to me. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just say that you know January twenty six, Governor Cuomo said that high risk sports, but it still was unequal because the city teams weren't able to play. So terrible. No PSAL for me. No Catholic League for me in the city. But then I have these little disparate pockets of national games, but it wasn't really meaningful because they didn't have any playoffs. And for me, from the referee's perspective, I felt like by the time I was in my groove, it was already winding down. So it was a very strange thing for me to even officiate, even just with the mask. But at the same time, I know as much as I was kind of off the refereeing thing, I felt good to be back on the court. You know, I really got that thrill and the sensation that I had. Um, when you first heard about high-risk sports getting moved up, just administratively, were you taking different a thought pattern of saying like, okay, now we can open up because, you know, I do understand that even though it does open up, there's still caveats because there's so many teams that haven't played. There's only limited gym space. And this place is a little different, right? You're trying to figure out, you're, you're trying to fit um, a, a peg in a square hole. So, you know, with all things being unequal, you're still trying to pivot in real time. What was your initial thoughts when you first heard about high risk sports being opened up? 
I was surprised. I, I and I asked the the normal questions like, "What's different to that day than four months before?" Five months, you know, what's different? We we were basically in, in a bit of a you know a spike, and you know all of a sudden it comes out. And, I, and when somebody told me like I got hit with this on the texts and everywhere, I said. Why? Okay. And then I had to step back and say, okay, what are we going to do? My first reaction, Ralph, was let's go slow. Let's go slow. Uh, you know, I, I got I to understand why we're being allowed and then what, would a, what, would, what precautions needed to be. I mean, I still believe that a lot of these preca- you know, precautions, I, I have some question about putting a mask on, on, a, on an elite athlete running up and down a court. You know, so I went slow on all of this. Um, and and we still, even though that date that you just mentioned, we still have not played a game. Yeah. Uh, we will on the 17th of this month. We're ready. And we're, we're, you know, uh, we're, we're doing everything we can to, to keep this place safe. So much so where we had to change the way we clean the floors because we, the spray was making them a little bit slippery because we were using it too much. But these are things we'll adjust to. But I was stunned. Back to your question, I was surprised because I didn't see anything different at the time. But we adjusted to it, you know, just like any type of leader, you have to adjust to what what, what you've been dealt. And and we 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 were very fortunate that I thought that we were going to have a much bigger pushback on parents not wanting their children playing. Not what I yes, of course some, but not what I found. Right. Not what I found. I, in fact, we had recent tryouts for Lightning. I made it, we didn't have a meeting, you know, I usually meet with parents and inform them. But I went and talked to as many people one-on-one, one-on-two, and they just consistently, they said, we're glad to be back. I needed to get my child out of the house, out from behind, in front of that computer. And I said, well, okay. And we we took our, you know, we, we did all our precautions, we've been inspected, but anyway. So I was surprised, and we're still going slow. But that's why we're ready. We're ready now. We're, you know, we'll we'll do all our protocols and you know we'll play a game, clear everybody out. Nick's whole company will come in and spray the hell out of the place. So, uh, but we'll do that. But it's it's time. It's, yeah. t- it's time to be back. And, yeah. I was going to say that I think uh, at that moment in time, it's always good that you're erring on the side of caution. But I think at this at that same time. By that point, I think it was just universally, socially acceptable to be utterly frustrated in the things that we were going through. I mean, you think about also the silver lining. Like, I've been able to spend so much time with my son, and he's attached to the hip. And I told him I had to ref later on. I'm doing a podcast. And he's, like, so disappointed that he can't come with me. But, you know, the positive benefit, too, is that, you know, Jim Jr.'s home, too. Like, there's also positive benefits in it. So what I wanted to ask you, this whole year of pause or trying to figure out and pivot any which way, what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? Um, I learned how much I really love running basketball. I always did. I mean, it's my second career. My first was in law enforcement. But I really missed it. I really missed the people, you know, and I really missed the game, you know. I don't watch too much basketball on TV, but I like the people. I like being with the people. I like the game. I love to see that fourth grader hit a foul shot, and, you know, with a tie game with two seconds left. He'll never forget that. I miss that. I miss the refs. I, you know, and, and sometimes I get on the refs for certain if they don't hustle or something. But most of them, but by and large, I'm very blessed with my refs. Uh, I miss them. I missed, 
I miss the James Washingtons, and I miss Terry Twible is on game number fourteen of the day. <laughs> uh, you know, and he still does as good a job on game fourteen as he did in game yeah. one. So I admire that. Uh, and he, I'm just picking out two to come to mind. Certainly, you were in that group. Uh, and, and you know what I enjoy with referees because I know this is a referee rant. I, I enjoy giving opportunities to some of the young people, the young ones like Ernie Rudloff. Always, I gem these are my three best graduates of my five, and we give them opportunities and, and they love it. And I fully expect a lot of these people to move on. My own sons, he used to ref here at one point. Now he's a Division One ref, and you know, so you know, and. You know, he'll always, he's still my my rules guy, if anything. You know, but people come through us, you know, really good people, you know, and uh, and, and I, I like that. And, and the referees are just so dedicated to the game. And I miss that. Yeah, I, I, that. I think everyone would, would say to say, I mean, I, I talked to so many referees of just saying, like, as much as it was a grind, especially like during AU season, those beats of April, May, June, we definitely get burnt out. But, so do I. But, yeah. hey, when, when, you, when you have the absence of it and you don't have that option, it feels so much different. But, you know, I think everyone was – once they listen to this, they're going to be interested and go, Jim Fox used to ref? Jim I can't Fox believe that. So let's, I let's, was better than most of these, by the way. <laughs> I did the Brooklyn Queens Catholic. That was I, – I used to have a demanding day job mm. uh, in federal law enforcement. And, you know, I became a boss. I can tell you to this day – and I still have demanding. I mean, I must be on my 80th call a day. I don't know how many calls. I don't even think about it. But I have a demanding lifestyle. I don't play golf and all that. But I'll tell you, the most demanding thing I ever did in my life, and I carried a gun and everything, was referee a basketball game. Mm. And I'd look on the sideline, and it was Jack Curran, Jim Kerr, Jim Gatto, uh, you know, um, uh, St. Francis Prep, Timmy, Mac, Timmy, Timmy Leary, you couldn't make a mistake. Yeah, you couldn't make a mistake, and these guys would eat you up and spit you out. I remember years ago making a basket interference call; it was wrong, and Gatto chased me on that for about <laughs> ten years, and he was right. He was right, of course, he was right. But these were good people. Yeah, these were good people. I remember Jack Curran. I'm with a rookie, and Jack Curran comes and hooks me. I'm like on the trail, and he goes. That guy ever makes that call again? You're never coming here again, Foxy. I go, what? And it, what Jack meant was, you know, show the show the new guy the way. Now, of course, you know, Jack was Jack, but I love Jack and I love Jimmy Kerr and these people were really good people. And I, I love doing that. You know, and I, that's the only league I used to do. I used to do a lot of it. Amazing. And and listen, that's that league to me. And I remember when I first got good, I got a real phone call from you. And you were saying, like, I think you're ready for the Catholic League. And whether it's Long Island, the city, they're right. just they're, they're all equally as good. And I just remember, like, how does he know? How, how, would, how would he know? But no, no. lo and behold, you find out. But, you know, I want to go back to that. Where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? And what did you play in middle school, high school, and in college? I'm so old, they didn't call it middle school. <laughs> uh, I played, uh, I grew up in Woodhaven, St. Thomas the Apostle. I see this, this Facebook group. Uh, Brooklyn Queens CYO or something. I get a kick out of that because they say, well, and they bring me back memories of all the courts, St. Mary Winfield and other things, and St. Francis de Sales. And, and I was St. Thomas Apostle. So uh, we did that. I played that. I played all, you know, baseball and basketball. There was no such thing as in Queens as soccer or lacrosse or anything. I played them, went from one season to the other. I played them in school. And, uh, you know, I, I did okay. And then in college, I went to St. Francis. I stayed home. And uh, 
I played baseball for a couple of years in St. Francis. I was a catcher, and the two guys ahead of me, one guy signed the pro contract. I wasn't, I wasn't going to play. So after a while, I just said, ah. as a junior, I just said enough. But I, I loved baseball. I, didn't, I wasn't a good enough basketball player, but I loved basketball. So I became a parent I, you know, after I graduated college and I got married. And uh, I, just, uh, I, I just started you know, as a parent, and that's what I did. And I started in uh, Levittown where I bought a house, and I stayed there forever. And, uh, and we started just running a team, and then all of a sudden we were, we were pretty good. My son Jeff, who's a ref, was a very good player. And I had a couple of terrific athletes. And we, we just needed more games. We just needed more games. And uh, so we started Super League. And that's how it started. I was just a dad. And, you know, in, in law enforcement, I think people could identify, sometimes you see too much. And you need sports. You need your family. All right, you know, or else you start going sour. You know, everybody's a dirtbag and things like this. And that, that's dangerous. Uh, and uh, sports really provided that, as my family did. And uh, we started building St. Bernard's, and then we started building Lightning, and then somebody came and said, if I build Island Garden, will you fill it? I said, yeah. And uh, that person came and went, and I stayed, and, and now we have Island Garden. We have a, a new place that's developing. So we, we, we have Lightning, has it's about 280 teams. So, uh, so it just grew one thing after another. That's, that's unbelievable, that whole journey of elevating and then still being involved in the game and also just thinking that you were a parent at one time and you were just loved and connected with youth sports. I think that's really your driving mission with that. But I did want to go back to the officiating side. When you were playing sports, what was your perception of officials and what made you become an official? Um, I love being part of the game. I don't, I knew I didn't, you know, I just love, I don't know. I just got, I kind of was talking to somebody. I remember where I ref my first game. So that tells you something, how much, how, how, how much of a passion it was. It wasn't just a job, you know? So I remember, and we were talking about, I was talking about somebody, uh, I was talking to one of our coaches been around forever, Dennis Nuss. And I remember coaching a refereeing a game in St. Teresa in, in Richmond Hill. And it went on from there. So it, it, I, I think the passion of it was very important to me. You know, and of course, you make some money on it. But most of all, I, I think that the, the whole thing of the officiating was you were part of the game. You were part of the game. So um, uh, I just, it was challenging. Whether it was, you know, you were doing a Brooklyn Queens Catholic. And I remember doing a, a game at Malloy. There were four pros on the floor. It, we everybody came at Malloy and went right up to the blue out of out of line, you know. And I fell over one and, and trying to beat a, a play down the court. I loved that. I remember that fall like it was yesterday. And I remember another time falling. I was backpedaling, which I shouldn't have done, and I fell. And Jimmy, I missed the walk. And Jimmy Curse looked at me. I said, "What are you going to do?" <laughs> I love those memories. And I saw Jim. You know, I know he's not at the area now, but um, you know, Jimmy Kerr is a real gentleman. And, I, and we laugh about that. It's such a bond. I, th- I think one, like a, a subtle bond that I have is that, you know, I think as this has grown and I'm kind of like an ambassador to referees, some people say that I might have to preempt my career to proliferate the betterment and the education of referees. What made you stop that? Because I always look at refereeing as like a quixotic drug, right? It doesn't necessarily love you, but it's it's a thrill. I mean, I know for me, when I do those double A games in the Catholic League, 
I have no business being on that. I was never that good. Like I played at Kellenberg, but I was never good enough to be, right. you know, a pro. But it, it's it's strange because, you know, now that I think about what I'm doing now, maybe I'm best served as an administrator. And that's not to say I don't have ambition to still be the best referee that I can be. But you know what I'm saying. What, yes. what made you start gravitating towards the administrative side? Okay. Um, boy, you're like Oprah. You got good questions. <laughs> uh I didn't think about this for a very long time. Uh, I remember clearly, uh, I was in federal law enforcement and I was on a very big case. Uh, and I was out in California. And I remember having a call, this thing was breaking and it was, it was significant. And I had to call Richie Krams and give back my whole schedule. Wow. And, and I had a good schedule. And he said, what? I said, I'm gonna be out in California indefinitely. Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't call you and say week by week, Rich. And then when I come up, I'm probably have to go back. So that, and plus the other thing was family. Uh, why are you giving him? My son, Jeff was an, was a really good player. Uh, he went to St. Dominic's and I wanted to, I wanted to be part of that. You know, I wanted to watch him. So, um, I knew that I was going to stop. I didn't want to be at some school with all due respect and missing that part of my son's life. So I knew, even though that case in California made me end a year early, I knew the following year I was, I was going to do it because I did not want to compromise my time with Jeff. And as I look back on it, we had a terrific career. You know, he had a terrific career, and I enjoyed it. We enjoyed that together, my whole family. We, when Jeff was, they went on to win the state championship in his senior year, lost in overtime in his junior year uh, with people like, you know, Jimmy Moran, Sean Kennedy, that whole group. It was, it was terrific. Pavanelli was a, it was a terrific coach, uh, and uh, it was a great time in my life. So I just kind of evolved out, not because I didn't like it, but I, I just and I had to do it full speed or else not do it at all. Right. You probably don't think about this too much, but that fork in the road of saying that I'm going to watch and and I know about those teams because they played Kellenberg and Kellenberg was always at the bottom of the barrel at that time. You know, St. Don's was just a powerhouse, and I remember watching those games as a freshman watching Sean Kennedy and Jim Moran just, just kill it, right? Just have throwing alley-oops from behind yeah. the back. Oh, it, was, it was an amazing team, a sight to behold. But do you ever think about that fork in the road if you ended up staying officiating that you wouldn't have what you have right now and maybe Jeff wouldn't be an official? Um, no, I don't. Th- I, I, never, I try never look back. Uh, I did that. I was very secure in my decision to move on or to, to shift that in the road. Uh, I, I take it as a great compliment that Jeff, who played at Hofstra as a walk-on, he was a terrific player. He would have been a very good D3 player, but he wanted to stay home. And, and Hofstra, Jay Wright at the time said, come on, play play with us. And he went to a couple of NCAA tournaments as the walk-on. And uh, they even offered him a scholarship the last year. Jeff said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to law school. He's a very successful lawyer now. And he just, he just loves the game. So he might be go to work in his, his own law practice at, at five o'clock, and I'm not exaggerating, four or five in the morning, and he'll leave for a game at, at two or three in the afternoon and drive somewhere, you know, and, and just and be there. And after the game, drive home and be back out in his office six, seven the next morning. He just loves it. Mm. And he, you know what? Quite frankly, I mean, there's no doubt money in Division One is nice, but, you know, he, he really, you know, he really doesn't, he does his law practices. Uh, is 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 really good, and uh, he's an excellent lawyer because he has good people skills. 
And by the way, he gets a lot of his cases from referees. <laughs> I believe that. So he says, you know, because you can trust them. You can trust one of your fellow one of your fellow one of your brothers. Look, something happens in your life. Jeff will step there. He's a referee. He's not some big law firm with some junior associate. You got Jeff. So right. I'm not. A, I don't mean. I'll stop you. I'm not trying to give him an advertisement. <laughs> he's got enough work. But uh, he, but I I mean to emphasize that Jeff is. Uh, he loves being a referee, and he and, you know he never lost that. So so and the other thing is that your other son is a coach. So I think oh, that God. the juxtaposition of those two things and. You know, I think about my own field. I've been coaching at Kellenberg for 21 years, but it's volleyball, so it's different. It, to me, I feel like when it comes to coaching basketball, it really has to have every fiber of your being. Right. Like, you really have to be in it. Volleyball is a little different because you don't, you don't have those same beats of you yelling and all that. But how interesting was it that, you know, one was a ref and the other one was a coach? Yeah. And is it something that you it's kind weird. of subtly directed no, the two? it's nothing subtly. It's nothing subtle. Uh, my son Jim, who was the coach... You know, he worked for Bob McKillop, Long Island and Davidson, for 13 years. And McKillop would not hold back with referees, uh, you know, and Jim learned from the best. And, uh, and even when Jim became a head coach at Appalachian State, uh, he, uh, he was a little rough on referees. And Jeff would, Jeff would say something to him, you know. You know he, would, he would argue with Jimmy. Now, it was a, that was one point. The other point, it was extremely interesting to listen to him talk. Mm. I've been around basketball a long time, but no, I mean, I was just listen. I was a novice. That they would talk about different plays and and look at that, and you, you think he should, you, that should have been called or no, that shouldn't have been called. It's back. It's such a it's such a tremendous science. It, it is from both ends, from the coach yeah. and from the referee. I know Jeff is has meetings every Monday night with with his supervisor with all the referees that worked in Northeast Conference, and and Jimmy would be. He'd be part of that. And, uh, you know, it would be very interesting. And uh, there's even some stuff I can't even tell you. <laughs> but uh, they both love the game. Jim's back working with me now. Um, you know, so it's, it's a tough job. College, both, both job, coaching and college. 100%. You have no life. And, you know, he, he kind of like things changed on him. So he's back. He's going to be. It's going to take over for me one day, another 50, 60 years when I'm done. But, uh, but in the meantime, we're working that together. We, we, we're really enhancing lightning with him. And the same way Jeff, Jeff, you know, you know, he has his knees drained every so often, which I'm sure many of you refs do. But, you know, uh, but he's in, you know, he's, he, he, did a, he did the uh, Northeast Conference regular season championship game. Yeah, he's very proud of that. Yeah, and, and congratulations to your whole family. Just the, yeah. the fact that everybody's still connected in the game, I think it's an yeah. amazing thing. And just the fact that, you know, Jeff played at a high level, Jim coached at a high level, you refed at a high level, and you've been doing this for so long at a high level. Wait, I have to interrupt you. My daughter was the best basketball player in the family. Yeah. She could shoot it. She ended up with a serious back injury in high school. But, you know, as a sophomore, she had seven threes in a, in a game at St. Tom's. But – uh she was the best. She 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 was better than both of them. Mm. But uh, you know, God forbid, I don't mention her. But she's <laughs> she's very special. Yeah. Now, just the confluence of all of those things in its totality. You know, I think having undertaking an endeavor like that, and I know you started off with Saint Bernard's, which is a much smaller scale, and then it expanded to this. You think just having the ability to have having like the coaching experience, the refing experience, and watching somebody play at a high level, and you played, of course, do you think that's what emboldened you to feel confident that this was going to go off the ground at the time? 
I just followed it. Um, I, you know, uh, I I love sports. I think sport, I, I'm a, such a – and one of the things I do right now is I teach at Long Island University, CW Post, and, you know, I teach, you know, different criminal justice courses. I teach, tell the students the, the importance of sports is never to be underestimated uh, because it, it ties young people to each other, mm-hmm. to, to, to positive role models and the coach, and also – it gives them something to aspire to. So that's what worries me about these people stopping sports. No, right. don't, don't stop sports. Yep. It even bothers me that they call sports extracurricular. I, yeah. I, no. Make it, it's part of the curriculum. So I think that I love sports and I, and I do see its value because I worked, I worked in, in, in law enforcement. I saw when kids don't have stuff. Yeah. And uh, so I, 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 it, does, it is very important to me. I'm very thankful to God about my kids. And they've gotten so much out of sports and in my family. So, you know, it's worked. Yeah, I think I think sports to me is like the modern version of simulated war without anybody having any casualty. Because you really right. learn everything. Teamwork, yeah. right? You learn patience. You learn leadership. You learn how to fail. Work ethic. Yeah. And and you learn all this in real time. And you're, you're trying to find it. And, and you learn it kind of subtly. And then you realize, like, over time, like, wow, I can't believe all of this has given to me. Right? Now... I did want to ask you this question because I think a lot of people would understand, you know, the fact that you were a ref before. I never knew that about you. Like to me, that's an amazing fun fact that everyone gets a chance to listen to that. But, you know, you as the administrator over here, the head administrator, what do you look for in a, an official that's going to work for you under the Island Garden brand? Love of the game. Uh, knowledge of the game. But also a commitment like to do a good job. I watch referees, and I'll compliment you. You're, you're certainly at the top with, other, with a couple other guys. That no matter you go out on the court, you don't care if that's a fourth-grade girl, a fourth-grade girls team that just started playing or the Gauchos versus Riverside, mm-hmm. a, a 17U Division I championship. You know, so they they just go out there and they, and they they play they they care so i look for that i look for people that really love the game get along with the kids i i don't like arrogance that's that's a negative if somebody's arrogant so i think that uh referees know the best referees know how to relate to people so that's what i look for mm. now the the thing is like just at, do you think that you put more on your referee hat or do you think you put your administrative hat when you are running this place because you know had I known that you empathize and understood you know because sometimes people outside looking in is like well Jim just runs this so he's just trying to figure no. this all out no Jim cares very much about the referees look just like when I was a boss in, in federal law enforcement I'll back you mm. and if 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 you screwed up whisper in my ear before I get in somebody's face okay. So I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't fall flat on my face, but I'll back my refs. And if anybody ever said that I didn't back them, let's get the whole story. Maybe they, I remember at one point I, there was a referee uh, that that was that he messed up totally, and but it was his arrogance and it was his nastiness toward a coach. And you know, I would love to tell you, I'm not going to tell you who the referee was. That's not important. But I tell you who the coach was. It was our friend Nick, <laughs> and you know Nick is Nick is Nick. We you know he's been tossed out of a few or more than a few games, but um, Nick is passionate, and so we had this meeting, and I listened to Nick and I listened to the referee, 
And I said, oh, my God. The referee was not only wrong in his interpretation, but his, his attitude Ex- accelerated Nick's, became an accelerant to, to Nick's fire. And, you know, and Nick was right. You know, I try not to say that to Nick too much. Because me me I, neither. I, I love him. Me but, neither. But, you know, you can't reinforce. But my point is, in that case, I could not back the referee. So, but I start out with the preponderance of, of uh, my refs, my refs, you know, and, and that's what I tried to do. Yeah, and just anyone that decides to work at Island Garden, just know that if you're going to switch, have that real conversation with Jim. He's going to be completely I, I, fair. Well, I allow switching as long as I'm made aware of it during a regular season. Yeah, don't make the mistake that I did. Well, no, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. But my point is, um, I never knew that was you, by the way. But if that was even a story. But my point is, I sit there on Championship Monday. I pick one, each one of those refs. And then even for the playoffs, I, I, I'm very careful who I put on games. Uh, because it's my product. Right. It's my love. Right. So uh, don't switch. You can call me and say. Yeah, call, call him and f- let him know that you, you have a legitimate say, situation. It's Ralph, I want to move. I, I want to put Terry Twible on my game and I'll take it. Fine. Yeah. We'll do it. Listen, just remember that one. there was a point in time where Jim had to give away his whole schedule to Richie Krams because he had to be in California. Just remember that. He'll always have an empathetic That was a pretty game. big case, though. That's and, amazing. I, I yeah, would have was never known. That was a pretty big case. But Richie Krams, Richie Krams, I, you know, Richie Krams is Richie Krams, but I, I, I don't have any, any I, I have more respect for Richie Krams than, forget about referees, most any other person, because he brought me along. Mm-hmm. And then he brought my own son along. Yeah. My son is a Division One ref today because of the, the, the nurturing, the, the leadership, the teaching of Richie Krams and, and Timmy McAleer. Mm. Yeah. So, you know. That's awesome. And, and that's awesome that you give back and that he gives back. And, you know, I, I think this is like a great ecosystem that if you want to get to the next level, I know I feel like I'm a product of that. Not that I speak to Jim, Jeff a lot, but just being out here, you know, I know I really cut my teeth in here. I really knew that when it was time for me to move, but you know, I, I'll always have an allegiance to here and I'll always, I'll always be here as long as I'm, I'm around, I'll, I'll definitely do it. Um, but after everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time? Oh, I don't think I'm, and I, and I say this very sincerely, I don't think I'm anything special. I, I was always the, maybe the, the dumbest kid in the smart class when I had two classes. I'm right in the middle. Uh, I don't think I have any major attributes except loving the game. I, I really, I try to surround myself by good people, uh, whether it be my team here that, that runs this place, but also my referees. I mean, that's what my coaches in Lightning, you know, they're good people. You know, it's what we surround ourselves with. So it, it gives us energy, you know what I mean? So it gives us momentum. And it, it gives us, I miss them. Mm. And, you know, you asked before, this, this past year, I, you know, what did you miss most? I miss the people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I worried every night you wake up and am I going to be able to stay in business? I mean, we're in business. We're going to come out, God willing, I just need to finish off. We're at the end, we're at the last lap, uh, or, or most of the last lap is gone. We're going to come out of this, believe it or not, stronger than ever. And I, you know, I, and I, I'm very thankful to that, but it's because of the passion. And, and you know, uh, it's not just enjoying or fun. It's certainly not the money. Yeah. Listen, you, you find, you, you can tell that your passion emanates. And, and I know just like having the conversations when there was no basketball being involved, 
we were thinking about the next step. We were trying to figure out a way, a discernible way to be not only safe, but get out of this on the other side, even more beneficial. But what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go? Uh, just staying at it. We're very fortunate. We're, I guess I'm not supposed to announce anything, but we're going to, we're, we're, we've all but been ready to open a new facility in Mitchell Field. Uh, in addition to this, I want to, I hear these rumors, you know, like, oh, Island Garden's closing. Well, no, it's not. Yeah, but don't you like the rumors? Because you're the one that knows, like, you know what you know, and you- No, I don't like people saying, mm. you know, oh, Island Garden's up for sale, or Island Garden this. And well, it. they're hearing it from you right now, so. Well, it's not. Mm. And, you know, I'm fighting with the landlord. Of course I am. He wants to be paid every every penny for every day we're closed. Yeah, and we, we both weren't here, so. Yeah, you know, with all due respect, no way. Mm. And if this wasn't a podcast, I would have the F word in there. But uh, <laughs> no way. But I, I have lawyers besides, besides you know, Jeff being a great referee. He's also a great lawyer. I got him and I got another lawyer and I got, I got people. people. People come to me and, uh, and you know, because they, they love basketball. Mm. And uh, so we're, we're going to win that. You know, we're, we're, I'm not looking to beat him up. I know he's got bills to pay. You're just trying to do what's fair. Let's just, let's just reach a good compromise. And yeah. part of my compromise is, Make, make me let, let's 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 renew the uh, lease for another 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so, also, you know, I'll be united in that front of proliferating the success of the Lightning brand of Island Garden brand. Just getting to the digital side. And I know it's something that is probably a novelty for you. But now I think you realize how important it is. You do realize how important it is. Yes, now, Right. I do. And are you are you happy with with the way social media is going? Yes, I am. And I see things happening. I, I see all of a sudden, you know. This indicates that people are looking at it. I think there's some funny stories involving you, Ralph. And uh, we have this program, Little Lightning, on Sunday mornings, which my my son, the 18 years pro, Division One coach, runs. And, you know, he does it because my grandson's there. He's a kindergarten who loves it. My son's trying to teach these kids. And they're looking at the drone. And the drone, <laughs> the drone is over there. My son goes, what? <laughs> I got that call. I said, oh, don't worry about it. But look, it was great. I love everything about, I love what's going on. Yeah, and, and I'm really, I'm so excited that I can, you know, see my vision through into something. And to me, I'm just only digitizing this place, you know, and I think that's the wave of the future. And, and to me, it, it yes. gives at least the brand awareness that, you know, people, and especially like at this moment in time, not everyone has been here. I know so many no, referees know. that haven't even stepped foot here since last year. So the fact that they still feel connected and go like, oh, you know, to me, subconsciously, I'm thinking like, okay, they're doing good. They're getting nurtured. And at one moment in time, I'd say in about a month time, maybe I'll be refing there. So I think, you know, everything is just like a good positive vibration. Yeah. Um, the most stickiest situation that you've ever had, obviously, aside from the pandemic, what do you think is the most stickiest situation that you've ever had running Island Garden? Aside from any litigation or anything No, we haven't had much litigation. I remember there was one litigation that the guy, it was a fake, and I, I was the worst witness in the world with the poor lawyers. But anyway, that's not, that doesn't. I think the worst situation was, you know, a, a couple of fights we had. We had an, an adult come out of the stands on Championship Monday. It was a horrendous situation. He came out of the stands at a child. And uh, it was just terrible. Mm. And, you know, I, I thank God nothing worse happened because I, got, I went running down. And I saw everybody running out the door. And I went, wait a minute. And a good thing those people didn't catch that guy. 
So <laughs> that wrestler went in much worse. And, you know, and they had every, well, in my mind, I wanted the guy locked up. And we eventually did get him locked up two or three days later. I still know people, but mm. you know we, we identified them and things like that. But that was a pretty nasty thing. We're an adult trying. We see some. Look, we, in our society, we see so much mental illness, and you know whether it be a mentally ill person, people throwing people, you know, pushing people off a platform on a subway. Uh, or, you know, we throw in so many people. I mean, some of the stats we have: two hundred and twenty-five thousand people come through these doors, or whatever the number is, uh, every every year. You know, we're, we're fortunate that not more has had, you know, bad has happened. We try to do our best, but I don't want to see anybody get hurt here, you know, or, or, or worry, you know, somebody like that. So I worry about that. Uh, but I'm going to tell you that that is so, f- so rare. What I see is people of of all walks of life. And, you know, I'm t- I see all this terrible thing that's going on in our society now. I'm going to tell you, I don't see it here. I, I you know, I, and I hope people see it the same way. We're here. When they come here, everybody's the same. And that's what Tom Kinchowski said to bring it back to the beginning. Uh, you know, ball for all. Everybody's treated the same. And, uh, and it teaches our kids that everybody is the same. There shouldn't be any judgments based on whatever other factors. That's what's great about basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think if, if I, if I didn't love basketball and you didn't love basketball, we wouldn't be even doing this podcast. And I know it's obviously referee ramp, but it still is centered around to me, the love of basketball. I love this game. I will always continue to love this game. And that's, that's why referees are so important. And you asked me at one point in one of your many, many Oprah questions, <laughs> quite good. Uh, you know, what, what attracts me to a, what, 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 what makes a referee stand out to me? It's that. They love the game. And they wouldn't dare walk, like just move their head. No, that would be an insult to, to their trade, yeah. to their profession. Yeah. So that's what I look for. And that's why I love our referees. And, you know, I think most referees would agree. Yeah, and, and I'll go to say that I know there's probably going to be a lot of listeners because they're going to have a lot of interest in listening to your story. You know, I'll say just from a referee's perspective, any coach or player that's listening to no one's going to feel worse than when a referee makes a mistake than the referee. Right. We don't want to come out there and make mistakes. We don't want to ruin the game. So just remember that when you're thinking about yelling, and I also understand that's a beat of the game. You're thinking about how long you've practiced with your team to get them prepared. They're not doing and executing. And if you feel like we're putting an imprint that's negatively impacting your game, of course you're going to feel that. Sure. But just remember sure. that's coming from a place of like, not, not from a personal standpoint. That's just what, what my identity is at that moment. But you know, just just like anybody on the court, whether it be the player or the coach, referees care just as much. And those are the type of just referees. Just the word I was going to use. And I saw it from other angles. You know, I saw it from my son, college coach. You know, he would get infuriated because he would have big-time refs do his game, a mid-major game. Okay? And I remember one day there was a basket interference call that was the game winner. And it was clearly basket interference. And I made the mistake of texting him and said, oh, my God, I can't believe they just stole that from you. And he was on the radio when he said, maybe I better go look at that. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, there's passion there. And, but you know what hurt that day? Those refs didn't care. He said, oh, they're going to go do Kentucky yeah. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I don't want to see that. And my refs here, I don't think they get that. No. Now, just for to be perfectly, what is it called, forthright or 
but I was the worst ref. I was the worst coach toward refs. Mm. I knew a little bit too and this much. And was, this was after you were a referee. Oh, while I was referee, yeah. <laughs> and I was coaching Jeff and Jimmy. And I remember yelling at a ref once. I said, "That was verticality." And I and 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 the ref looked at me and goes, "What?" I said, <laughs> "I was bad." So in case somebody said, "Hey, I remember Jim Fox as a coach. He was crazy." Mm. Yeah, mm. but you know, passion. Yeah, yeah, so. and you definitely have a lot of it. If you can pinpoint, and I do think that in the foreseeable future, your best moment is yet to come. But if you can pinpoint one moment out of everything that you've done, especially in basketball and specifically in Island Garden and being involved with lighting all these years, what do you think is your best moment thus far? Um, that's a, that's a, you know, my best moment. I don't know. Um, I don't know, Ralph. I, 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 I enjoy, it's such a cliche, but I enjoy all the moments, you know, I'll enjoy, you know, seeing kids. I, I particularly like, watching a little kid get in a foul line and uh, and hit a clutch shot or hit a buzzer beater. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what social media, you got to catch that. Yeah. Because that's worth its, it's worth its weight in 500 times in gold. But uh, I like the kids just enjoying the game. Uh, so I don't have one particular great moment. I mean, we've had pros play here. Uh, we had um, recently, I think the summer before, well, it wasn't last summer, maybe the summer before that, we had Enos Cantor here, right, and that was that was a political mess. I totally missed, I totally missed, and uh, I didn't. Well, if he wants the court at the last minute, you know, I have to bring in staff. I, I raised the price. Little did I know it was an international controversy. That, right, right, right. <laughs> that he, that because he was being banned. Yeah, and I had a congressman here, Congressman Rice, who I I, I love her, and she was thanking me so much. I'm going, okay, we've had some great moments here, but the best is the the little kids, you know, just enjoying the game and giving them each other the high fives. And that, that's, and that happens so often. And I want that back. Yeah. Listen, my greatest moments aside from cutting my teeth on court one, court two, court three, and endless nights doing adult right. league games here, you know, just getting close to you and, and forming this partnership of, you know, the digital side and doing this, this event with Nick. I mean, I, I feel really passionate about it because, you know, these are some of the kids that I would have ref this year that didn't have an opportunity. And now that they can play meaningful games, um, I think it's so it's, – it's such an honor to do it here at my home well, turf, it's, you know. It's an honor to have it here. And, you know, I just want – you know, I know uh, you don't much have time left, but I just want to point out this guy, Nick. You know, whether you – you know, oh, Nick is like – he's a little crazy. He's a little this. Nick is such a good person. He's, he's such a great he, person. Down deep, he, he, he just – and it's such a cliche, but it's so true of him. And so don't don't use the word cliche when you talk about Nick. He really cares about the kids. He does. And, you know, and uh, he's he's putting a lot of his own sponsorship and a lot of his own money. And he's to Nick, you know, and uh, he just because he wants to he wants to he believes in basketball. He believes in the kids. And you know what? That's what we need now, yeah. more than ever. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a signature event that's really going to put, um, you know, a lot of kids in, in good positions because, you know, just even hearing the podcast that you did with Jesse just last October, thinking about all of these kids that really missed out on recruiting things for, with coaches. You know, this now we'll have the ability to at least give coaches the ability to see these kids that haven't played in a year. You know, I hope they've been doing the right thing and being, you know, staying ready. 
Uh, but at the very least, they get an opportunity to be at least exposed and to play for something meaningful. And, and we have some some great teams, and we'll talk about the refs afterward. But my final question to you is that basketball has brought you so much joy in your life. You've refed at a high level. Your your son has played at a high level. Your son has coached at a high level. Your other son has refed at a high level. Your daughter hit seven straight threes in a basketball game. It's brought you so many places. It's far and wide. It's it's something that you really care about. And, you know, every time I speak to you, I can hear your passion because you're always on to the next move. You're always trying to figure out how we can be better, how we can improve. Right. What does basketball mean to you? What is it giving to you in your life? It's a model. It's a model. It brings uh, – uh, it, it's a model to when you get up in the morning, how am I going to get better? Sports does that. You can never stay the same in sports. That's what's beautiful. Any coach, you're a coach – I was a coach, my son's a coach, but you never stay the same. Mm. The challenge is always there. So you get up and what? How am I going to be better? And that's what it brings my life, you know. And it brings me close, close to my my family and to my friends, my my extended family. So, you know, when the day comes, I can't do the same more. Again, another fifty or sixty years, but um, I'll, I'll I'll be happy. And that's why to bring it back to the first topic, a man like Tom Kinchowski is a role model in so many ways. So, uh, And I think it's appropriate that we're, we're, we're dedicating this tournament to Tom being one of several people there. And, you know, so I, I, I look forward to it. I look forward to working with everybody, you, Nick, and everybody else. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to bringing Island Gardner and Lightning to the next level, um, even though we're already strong and we're going to come back stronger than ever once we start getting kids out here. And, you know, really lightly, just talk about the, the partnership that you have with Jesse with the Level Up tournament right after we do the New York Madness tournament. Right. How did that come about? So I, I take some criticism. Jesse's a competitor. And they say, what are you? I mean, he's stealing your teams. Well, Jesse doesn't steal any of my teams. We're, we're good. As long as there's some. Jesse's a good person. Great person. He's a good person. And he. And, you know, I'll, I'll argue with anybody that says, oh, you shouldn't. You know, the hell with that. What's best for the kids? And I think Jesse's good for the kids. I mean, lightning beats level up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, you know, I don't know. We win some, we lose some. But uh, I think that Jesse is uh, hes somebody that is out there who should be who, who should be part of the kids' lives. And Evan, is, you know, is, is a partner there. He played here. He's really had a nice career, but he has a great attitude, too. So these are people that I, I, I say, let, let's do it together, Jesse. Let's do it together. Yeah, that's really awesome. I know that referees are raring to go when that goes. Um, I thank you for your time. I think okay. this was a great interview. I think a lot of people will be very interested to a lot of the just the multidimensionality of, of your long and winding road in the game of basketball. But, you know, looking forward to working with you with this event. And I'm also looking forward to getting back on the court with some sense of uh, blowing the whistle at some point. But yeah, we'll be ready. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? No, I just want to thank you. And you're really skilled at this. And I'm not kissing your ass, but uh, uh, you really are skilled. Uh, not that Jesse was Jesse. Just <laughs> you were very good, too, but uh, also. But it was it was fun. And, uh, I, you know, you like always talking about what, what your life has been. But I'm very thankful. Yeah, and I'm thankful for you, for Jim Fox, for Lightning, for Island Garden. This is Ralph the Ref. This is The Ramp. We are signing out. Peace.